God did not make death, and he does not delight in the death of the living. For he created all things so that they might exist. The generative forces of the world are wholesome, and there is no destructive poison in them, and the dominion of Hades is not on earth, for righteousness is immortal. This morning I want to dive into this wonderful text. Wisdom of Solomon is a Jewish text written in Greek in Alexandria, Egypt, most likely in the century before the birth of Christ. At that time, Alexandria was a center of Jewish culture. The book personifies wisdom as a gift of God to the people. Solomon, who lived almost 1,000 years before wisdom was written, was the wise king of Israel who succeeded King David. The book is attributed to King Solomon because he was the embodiment of the teaching of the book. In the Old Testament, the human role of a king is to serve as a moral exemplar, a person who so embodies the characteristics of God that he is a faithful channel of God's rule. When it comes to political and religious leaders, wisdom of Solomon is clear that the character of the leader matters the most. Perhaps something for all politicians to consider as we celebrate the 4th of July. Wisdom of Solomon is influenced by and responds to the pervasive Hellenistic context and thought of the time. I don't want to get too lost in Greek philosophy, but it is grounded in dualism, but offers a faith-based answer to the questions about nature of life, death, and immortality of the time. The author of the book contrasts the ungodly with the righteous to make an argument against the philosophy that life happens by accident, that we are born purely by chance, that life is short and full of sorrow, and death is the final end. Now this isn't just a question of philosophy. The Jewish community in Alexandria, living in the context of the empire, was confronted with the impact of those in power who lived by this nihilistic view of the world and life. If life is meaningless and death is the end, why not take everything you can for yourself? If death is final, there are no metaphysical consequences for any of your actions, nothing you need to worry about. So you escape despair by doing anything that you find self-fulfilling, 
regardless of other people or regardless of the consequences. Of course, we see people do this today, don't we? In all kinds of different ways. There's an interesting version of it in Marin that I think is sort of a spiritualized uh, version of seeking uh, self-fulfillment. And part of that is with the uh, kind of commercialization of enlightenment and spirituality. I saw the other day one of these uh, Mercedes Sprinter 4x4 vans, you know, like the ones you can like take down to Baja and live in for a month or whatever. It was wicked cool. I mean, I was like, this thing's great. But then I noticed that both of the, and this is like a $150,000, $180,000 vehicle. And then I noticed that both of the headrests had um, uh, yarn, the fab, what am I trying to say? The symbol, the Buddhist and Hindu symbol for Om had been stitched in to the fabric on the two front headrests. That symbol for oneness, for all being. And I thought, man, enlightenment has gotten expensive. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong, I'd love to have that car, but like, what does it have to do with Om? What do our material possessions that cost more than most people make in a year or a lifetime in Malawi have to do with Om and enlightenment? But the real problem in the wisdom of Solomon is injustice. The verses that are omitted from the passage today, and there's quite a few if you look at the citation, drive home the idea that the ungodly are those who misuse power to oppress the poor, the just, the widowed. It is one thing to be a glutton or to be particularly selfish, but it's another to actively harm others or the earth for your own gain or sense of self-fulfillment. And the author of Wisdom of Solomon contrasts all of this with the vision of life as the good gift of a creative God. I love the line from the passage, the generative forces of the world are wholesome. This means that injustice and death are not native to creation. Injustice and death are like an invasive plant. It's like the acacia I can't get rid of at my house. It's not native to my land, but it's invasive. Injustice and death may thrive, and they may do damage, but they are not part of God's will in creation. Because of the goodness of God in creation, we are to live in hope, not despair. Death does not have the power that the world presumes. 
In the wisdom of Solomon, immortality signifies an enduring relationship with God. But we have to make an active choice to be in that relationship. According to the wisdom of Solomon, it is the ethical content of our lives that determines our status in the afterlife. The righteous will not taste death, but will have eternal life with God. But if you dance with the devil, you will inherit death. Of course, this isn't just a question of the afterlife, but how we live and experience life now. The righteous, those who trust in God's way, who do not succumb to envy, do not live under the shadow of death. So each one of us must make a decision, and there are only two choices. You support the forces of death, or you support the creative work of God. By the way, much of St. Paul's writings focus on this very decision. For St. Paul, you are either a slave to death or a slave to Christ. Those are the only options. Or as Yoda put it, do or do not. There is no try. For us as Christians, Following the way of Jesus is the way of righteousness. The God described in Wisdom of Solomon is a God engaged in human history. Jesus Christ reveals the divine wisdom. The Wisdom of Solomon tells us that it is God's justice that truly rules the world even though human rulers may think they have the final say. Jesus shows us what divine justice looks like. It looks like love, because love is the way. As our presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church likes to say, if it's not about love, it's not about God. As Christians, we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of God. How can we live this out as we prepare to celebrate the 4th of July as citizens and residents of this country we love? So much of our national life right now on all sides is consumed with the temptations of power. Our discord is the devil's delight. There has been much call for civility this week. But for us as Christians, I think that is the wrong focus. Jesus was not civil to the money changers in the temple. The real question is do our actions look like Jesus? Do they look like Jesus? Do they look like love? 
In the gospel today, we have stories of Jesus healing. Do our actions look like that? In that culture, a hemorrhaging woman was unclean. It was unacceptable for there to be physical touch between Jesus and that woman. And yet it is that touch that heals. It is that touch, touching the untouchable, the unacceptable, that heals. Do the actions of our nation look like God's justice? Does God look upon us as a nation today and say, as God said at creation, it is good? John F. Kennedy said, ask not what you can do for your country, what your, excuse me, ask not, <laughs> let's get that right. See, I'm a victim of it too, right? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. What we can do for our country is to follow the way of righteousness that affirms our goodness as God's people, that affirms the goodness of all people who have been created in the image of God, which is all humans. What we can do is strive for God's justice amidst the powers of the world and demand that our leaders of whatever party do the same. What we can do is live into the prayer for our nation from our prayer book. It's printed on the back of the Connect insert. I invite you to pray it with me. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, who made all the peoples of the earth for your glory, to serve you in freedom and in peace, give to the people of our country a zeal for justice and the strength of forbearance, that we may use our liberty in accordance with your gracious will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.